In this episode, we discuss The Flash's visit to Earth 2, review the X-Files revival and the PS4 game Klaus, taste test cinnamon bun and filled cupcake Oreos, then step into the spoiler room to discuss Deadpool. All this and more, right now, on The Geek Generation. Hey everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Matt West. Alonzi. Alonzi, bringing in the Doctor Who. Absolutely. Good way to start. Walking in with all the TARDIS around the, the way up to the studio, There's you can't not walk in Exactly, there. right? Um, as we get started today, quick word of thanks to our listeners. We have received three more positive comments on iTunes since our last recording. And uh, since we hadn't gotten an iTunes review in over a year, and then all of a sudden we get three within a week or two, that's pretty awesome. So I do want to thank everybody that took the time to do that. Also, we got an email from Reed in Millis, Massachusetts, who said, I just wanted to drop a quick note of appreciation for the show. It is one of my favorite podcasts. and I look forward to listening every week. It's great to listen to a show where I share a lot of common interests with the hosts, but also you have opened my eyes to quite a few things I would have otherwise missed. Thanks again. Cool. Always appreciate yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's good to know people are out there. That's your main, you know, your main feedback unless you're getting people in the Twitch channels when you get that, the emails and the reviews. And people, don't, I don't think they don't really, they re- realize how important iTunes reviews are. No. Because the more positive reviews you get, mm-hmm. it, it's part of that whole process where it will recommend it to more. The higher your rating is, exactly. the more commonly and the more it will come up as things that might interest other people. Mm-hmm. And that will spread the word. So if you do it, it, it really does help the show in a big way. 100%. Yeah. So if you guys don't mind any listeners out there who have not left a review for us, if you go right into iTunes, uh, head over to our podcast and then leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. You mentioned the Twitch channel. Uh, for people that haven't checked it out yet, go to twitch.tv slash the geek generation. We do do live podcasts, which we are live on the Twitch channel right now. Hi, for Twitch some, people. <laughs> some people that are watching. I see there are some people in the chat room. Um, we don't often spend a lot of time talking to the chat live during the show because our priority is the listening audience for the podcast, but you can watch us do this live every couple weeks we do. Uh, also, I do my gaming over there, and I am starting a new series on the Twitch channel, which I am kind of announcing here, even though I've announced it on the channel and our Discord channel, where we also have a separate chat room where we chat and everything, too. Uh, but I am going to be doing a thing that has been kind of requested by my viewers uh, based on my voice. When I first started streaming, people asked me to read books and I did like pull out some Dr. Seuss books and just read them. <laughs> and people loved that. So uh, every Monday through Thursday night from 10 to 1030 p.m. Eastern time, we are doing a new series called Bedtime Stories. <laughs> That's awesome. So I will be taking out a book. Uh, we'll read a few chapters, whatever it takes us to get through a half hour. And it's a nice way to hopefully it's it'll be a nice way for me to calm down from the day. But also, hopefully, for other people, maybe you leave it on the background while you're falling asleep, or maybe it's something to just kind of come down from the stress of the day. Uh, the first book we're going to read, I think, is The Phantom Toll Booth, which oh. was gifted to me by uh, my mentor teacher when I was a student teacher. And I actually haven't read it yet. Oh, it's so good. So Such a good story. I think that's what we're going to do first. And again, that's Monday through Thursday nights. 10 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv 
slash the geek generation. I don't know if I'm going to make, I'm going to record the audio from it. I don't know if we'll make it available any other way eventually. Uh, but for now, it's going to be just kind of a disposable thing. We'll do it four nights a week. And then after that, those just go away, I guess, unless we put them on the YouTube. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet. And it's really just kind of an experiment That's to cool. see like if people, that. if people like it. Um, also, uh, a co-host on the show, Squalls, Sam, for people uh, who have heard her on past podcasts, if you want to bookend your day, you can end the day with bedtime stories, but you can start your day with coffee and coloring because at twitch.tv slash squalls, S-K-O-W-A-L-Z, she has, um, I forget exactly what they're called, uh, Zentangles. She's been downloading these Zentangles from the internet and coloring them in in Photoshop while having coffee with the viewers. And I think that goes from 6.15 to 7 a.m. every morning right now. She just started doing that, too. So you can bookend the day. Wake up with squalls. Go to bed. Go to bed with me. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, fall asleep to the sound of my voice. Let's keep it that way. So check that out again. Uh, Twitch.tv slash the geek generation. So let's get into the show content. We're going to start it off with geek outs. Yay. Matt West. You know, I listen and I know that you and Mike have uh, discussed the rebooted Muppet show and some disappointment in it. A lot of disappointment. And I got to say, I've been, I am like one of the tried and true banner carrying Muppet fans. I have been since as long as I can remember. And um, I do have probably 10 years on most of you guys on watching that stuff. Um, I actually liked the first season. I know that um, there was some of the, uh, the sarcasm that, that sort of tone that, that you guys didn't really dig. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't yet seen the two episodes from the, the mid season, they do have a new showrunner. Okay. Um, and the tone has changed. Wait. So uh, the showrunner has already changed from the from beginning the, of the season because Disney did feel like they, there was just some pieces of the tone that they wanted to tweet. Interesting. Um, the first episode, among other things, um, did have, uh, Gonzo, Rizzo and Pepe. Uh, Riz, uh, Gonzo had, for whatever reason, Camilla the chicken had broken up with him. Okay. And the three of them decided to get a bachelor pad, which, uh, was actually previously owned by Ian Ziering from, uh, oh my God. Tools, uh, 90210 and Sharknado. And Sharknado yeah. yeah. And they make a Sharknado joke about it. Nice. Um, so they move in and they have this huge party. At one point, Ian Ziering's actually in the hot tub with Electric Mayhem. So it's, it's awesome. It was so funny. In the same episode, um, they've, Uncle Deadly, who is the Phantom of the uh, the Muppet Show Theater, mm-hmm. is now a very major character, and he's Miss Piggy's fashion coordinator. Okay, and he, it's really funny. Uh, but uh, in some awards show, Piggy has a wardrobe malfunction, and her curly tail pops out the back of her dress. Oh my god! And she's mortified. But they did a whole episode on how it's okay. So like everybody dons these little curly tails yeah but it was just so ridiculous but it was like wait a second as much as i enjoyed the first season mm-hmm. the just the level of ridiculousness and levels of humor was way more muppet okay um and then the last episode they did they had um miss piggy was searching for her bff she's saying you know i'm single now i don't have a best friend who's my friend and she's trying to go to like Pilates and all these different and trying to make friends. And she's trying to make friends with Janice from the electric mayhem and ends up that uncle deadly is that best friend. Hmm. Uh, it's just, it, it really, as much as I did like the first half of the season, the second season that especially with, with the wardrobe malfunction, it was just so, because 
how many years have we watched Miss Piggy and never even thought that she has a curly pigtail? Sure. And it popped out the back of her dress, and it was just so ridiculous. It was awesome. Interesting. Um, Maybe yeah. I'll give it another shot. If yeah, if you can see changed. that episode, that episode was really good. Yeah. Um, I do. I have a friend who does who's actually starting to produce some of their spots, um, like their internet spots mm-hmm. as well. So um, it was cool when I got a. Uh, I actually got a tweet back recently from Uncle Deadly, which was awesome. He has his own account, and um, that's why I had a little moment where oh i got a, a right back from one of the muppets all right even though i knew who was running the account it didn't matter yeah um second one is uh the ea star wars uh, electronic arts star wars heroes mobile game i know from the, the ea's history and from just what i'm seeing i know microtransactions are a part of it and that mm. can drag any game down but i've been avoiding that end of it but it, it's a pretty fun little i had um and I, it's one of my my freakouts later on. Uh, I switched up some of the games on my phone, some of my time wasters, and um, Star Wars Heroes is is pretty cool. It's sort of sort of RPG ish, where you you build up the skills of your different characters, and um, it's pretty complicated with the different levels of how you up your armors and your attacks, and um, different kinds of battles you can take part in, and different allies you can temporarily have join your team, mm-hmm. and, but. Over the last, I've had it for maybe a week and a half now, and I find that I'll I'll probably play for fifteen twenty minutes a day. It's it's you know just a phone game, but sure. for a phone game, the the graphics aren't really bad. They're not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound effects are really cool. It's fun where I'm I'll be doing something all of a sudden from across the my my wife. Did you just hear a Wookie roar? Yes, you did. Of course. <laughs> I don't want to step on one of your uh, upcoming geek outs, but uh, the DC Television Universe. I really feel is firing at all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll keep it quick, but Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, sure, sure, and even Supergirl to a lesser extent, all right now are just putting on some awesome. What I feel is like must see TV if yeah. you're a fan of the genre. And I'm really looking forward to the return of Gotham because it's another one. Even though it's not the Greg Berlanti universe, sure, sure. it's still they've been so good. Um, and I know you're going to touch on that a little later, but I'm having a hard time getting into Legends of Tomorrow. Really? really? I'm, I'm on the fence about it. Like, I'm watching it because it's superhero stuff and it's in the Arrowverse. I don't know if they're calling it the Berlantiverse, the Arrowverse, because right. that's where it started with. Uh, but there's, I don't know if it's just that the team is not meshing. I know that's kind of the idea. Right. Is they're finding their way, uh, to kind of working with each other. But I think it's, it feels like even though it's a time traveling show where I feel like it should be more Doctor Who, like they can do anything. They can go to any time. Granted, they're staying on Earth. Right. But at the same time, their goal is not wavering. Like, it's all about Vandal Savage. Right. And I'm like, I need, I want a little more than that. I think I'd like to might, see different things. I think it might do that. I mean, this next episode, you're going to, we're going to finally get to see the, uh, the infamous green arrow look on yeah. Stephen Amell with the, uh, with the goatee. Old and man, answer. Ollie. And, uh, I know he said it's the one time I'm doing it because initially he said, I'm never going to do this. And with the goatee, with the goatee, he oh, said, wow. I would never do it. And now that was, you know, two seasons of arrow. Ago. It seems odd that and, he would say that, but he, he was saying that this isn't the traditional comic book, uh, sort of Robin Hood looking green okay. arrow. So, so we will see that look. And, you know, there's also from the trailer looks like there's going to be, uh, Connor Hawk, mm-hmm. who is the son of, or the um like the adopted son of sure. Oliver Queen taking that role as well. So this is going to be what it's, it's cool because you can kind of again investigate these sort of parallel, not necessarily parallel dimensions, uh, but these different timelines. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. A couple episodes in, it's I, I've enjoyed it. I'm not sure how long they have to keep it fresh because after a while, if it's like you said, if it's just all right, now we're going to 1980 and 
we're going to a Russian nuclear power plant and we're mm-hmm. going to battle Vandal Savage. And if it is, if they don't start doing either Monster of the Week or Villain of the Week or have some mini story arcs that don't necessarily include him, it probably will will wear. Yeah. Uh, but it is the first season and like even I felt a couple of the other shows did need to go a season or two to really feel their – get their tone and mm-hmm. kind of – get there or their stride. I do feel like my comic knowledge is actually hurting me with watching that show yeah. too because I keep thinking like they've definitely depowered Firestorm. Oh yeah. Firestorm oh, yeah. is one of the most powerful characters yeah. they have right. and they've had to greatly depower him just to make him fit in. So I'm like why aren't they doing this and doing this and right. they're finding a lot of reasons to keep Jax and uh Professor Stein away from each other right. in situations so that Firestorm doesn't just win everything for them all the time. I also feel like I mean even with even with when it was uh Robbie Raymond though um, they haven't given enough time. I mean, really, Professor Stein basically roofied and kidnapped Jax right, to get him right. on the on on the the time skipper, but they haven't really had enough time to even investigate what their powers. No, are. they've maybe only so, been Firestorm for a matter of months. Right. So, so point. that for me right now, like he he hasn't learned. Like sure. you're seeing Jay Garrick showing some of his powers uh, on Flash and. He's, you know, somebody comes, well, that's a new one. Yeah. And that's stuff because it's just even as long as Barry's been the Flash, he hasn't had a chance to experiment with all these different ways. Sure, of sure. It. So, you know, we may see him gain power, but you can't have somebody so superpowered because then you have to have villains or, you know, encounters that are going right. to challenge those powers. Right. Something you guys talked about a bunch of, uh, a bunch of episodes ago, but, uh, I finally saw all of Into the Badlands mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Yeah. It, it is just, great. It just needed to be mentioned. It was fantastic. So my wife and I both watched it and just the uh the cinematography is amazing the the acting was really good the storylines were really good mm-hmm. uh I want you know it was a six six episode mini series and it did leave an opening where they could easily go into the next and I'm certainly hoping with I hope it was successful enough to get another I hope six so episodes too yeah cuz it was great and I won't wait for it to be seen after the fact I'll definitely I won't watch it on uh you know months later um and last uh is just Mid-season, the mid-season premieres are starting, and mm-hmm. after a doldrum of not great TV, uh, Blacklist has come back, and it's been amazing. That's one of my favorite shows on TV. Um, the Walking Dead started off with a huge bang. I know you're not a fan, but yeah. – and I managed to avoid – there was a lot of spoilers, which is – that's a freak out of, of my own where people spoil everything on social media before you get a chance to watch right, it. Right, so, right. Um, even if you're watching like a half an hour later, just to miss, you know, so you can fast forward commercials, people feel like they have to comment every two seconds on what happens. I managed to get it spoiler free and wow, their first episode back was out of control. I don't know who's, I'm, I'm never going to get into this culture. I feel where people are commenting on shows as they're happening. Yeah. Like who's on social media while a show? I'm so invested yeah, in what I'm exactly. watching, unless it's something that begs commentary. Like if I'm watching WrestleMania, the Royal yeah, Rumble, oh, something like that. Yeah. I'll tweet during that, but if I'm watching something that's an hour like story piece and right. I'm meant to be invested in it, I get invested in it. Who's tweeting during a show? Right. You're so, so distracted or so. Yeah. You know, you, and I mean, they're, they're most of these shows I watch, you know, with my wife. So we will have our own comments back sure. and forth, but that's because you're watching with somebody in the moment, not let me put that on my phone and see what everybody thinks. Yeah. As I said, Gotham's coming back in a couple of weeks. Actually, I think it's a week from Monday. Uh, really looking forward to that because the first season, I liked it, but it was a little slow. Mm-hmm. The second season and the whole rise of the villains really picked up steam. It did. Uh, Robin, uh, Robin Lord Taylor was amazing. Always uh, as, is. as, yeah, as, um, the penguin. And we're looking like there's going to be more of that. Uh, and they're bringing already, in my favorite Batman villain. 
Azrael? Mr. Freeze. Oh, Mr. Freeze. Okay. Well, I guess Azrael wouldn't necessarily be a villain, but he does go. They're bringing Azrael in? Azrael is going to be coming in in the new season. He it's has gonna, to be around the same age as Bruce or else well, they're just they, well, all what over. They, what they did is they introduced the Order of St. Dumas. Right. Um, and um, what they're going to – I guess what they're going to – from what I've seen is that Azrael is going to be played as um, sort of an embodiment that people will take the cowl over years. Okay. So um, they have sort of a Lazarus pool uh, sort of thing happening with the person who will be the first Azrael. All right. It, it will be. I think it's going to be good. I've seen the the concept art of what Azrael looks like, and he looks cool. So it, it's very much um, you're in Gotham, but he has a very throwback. Like looks like he could be fighting in the Crusades. Okay. So I think I think it'll work. I, I've they've taken some serious liberties with the uh, with the Batman sort of background and story and what's con- kind of been considered canon, just with their timelines and how things have progressed. But um, I have faith in them because they've now given. The last season especially has been just awesome. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Better Call Saul came back while a lot of the Breaking Bad people didn't stick on with it. I think it's really good. Bob Odenkirk is just terrific. He's fantastic. He's got such – and now they're doing Talking uh, Talking Saul. I saw so that, yeah. Which was, which was neat. Uh, but yeah, they which they do a lot of Easter eggs. So they pick up a lot of those Easter eggs that happen. And Blind Spot, that was something we talked about when we were doing our uh, mm-hmm. fall TV premieres. Sure. And, uh, the first half of the season was really cool. It was- I've only watched a couple episodes. I have them waiting for me. Yeah. I just haven't gotten them around to them yet. It but- definitely, it definitely has kept its intrigue and they've had some cool twists and it's not, in my opinion, not as good as Blacklist, but it's definitely good enough where it's kept, you know, we're going into the second half of the first season and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, great. Yeah. New episodes. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, first thing like you kind of alluded to. Uh, my first geek out is the Flash and specifically the Earth 2 episodes. So good. They did a nice two-parter with Welcome to Earth 2 and Escape from Earth 2. Uh, but the Welcome episode in particular was littered with Easter eggs from oh, the DC so good, Universe. Yeah. So many different things. I have a short list uh, just to run through for, for people who have seen it, maybe didn't notice these things. Or if you need incentive to jump on the Flash, I don't know why you wouldn't be watching it if you're a DC fan already. But a few things uh, we saw in the portal as he, they were going from Earth 1 to Earth 2. Uh, lots of amazing spoilers, not spoilers, but uh, Easter eggs here. Jonah Hex, we saw, who's been yeah, set to appear that was a surprise. That in was Legends cool. of Tomorrow. I knew they had cast Jonah Hex. Right. But seeing an image of him already, right. didn't expect that. The John Wesley ship version of The Flash. That was awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Brief look at Connor Hawk right before he appeared in Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. So they're making a lot of Legends of Tomorrow references here, which yeah. is pretty crazy. The one that I was definitely not expecting, even though we knew what was happening, is Supergirl. Supergirl, yeah. I was, oh, they actually put her in. Whoa. That was like the turnaround between the announcement of the crossover and actually seeing her appear, like even just quickly visually as an Easter egg. It blew me away. Right. I was so happy with that. That was cool. And then lastly, the Legion flight ring we right. saw in the portal, which... Is that going to pop up in the Flash? It seems something very appropriate for uh, Legends, Legends of Tomorrow, Tomorrow yeah. but it also there's a there's a Supergirl tie to the Legion, mm. so there's a lot of different ways they could go with this. Uh, I'm also wondering too if they're alluding as including Supergirl that way. Are they saying that Supergirl is actually going to be a different Earth? Is he going to have to use the speed right. cannon to get there? And that's why maybe she's not always around. That was something that I'd heard, uh, something that they had sort of discussed. That's a very big pros- uh, possibility. Right, right. 
Uh, also within the episode, we saw a mural inside the police station that said a free and just society. Right. Just a nice society nod America. to the justice awesome. society yeah. because Earth 2 is their kind of base of operations. Uh, the phone inside of Barry and Iris's house. I didn't notice that the first time no? through. I oh. did see it because I was sort of a little distracted when that was going okay. on. Okay. And then went back and saw it and realized who all the speed dial people were. Sure. So it, it says awesome. Eddie first, which right. is obviously, um, Eddie Thrawn. Eddie Thrawn that died. But then there's also Bruce, Hal, and Diana. <laughs> right. Referencing Batman, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman, even though we know it's not. He doesn't have Bruce Wayne on his speed dial. Right. It's just that's a fun little yeah. those those are the names that we would recognize. Uh Killer Frost, we finally saw. This has been hinted at since she was announced to be playing Caitlin Snow at the beginning. We knew eventually she would get to the point of being Killer Frost. I think this is a smart way to do it. I wasn't necessarily looking forward to seeing our Caitlin become Killer Frost, which maybe she might still. Right. But I like Daniel Panabaker so much, and HG I love awesome. her version of uh, Caitlin, Frost and I love great. her version of Killer Frost. Yeah. Like she's already gorgeous, but Killer Frost is super. Yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's got the the attitude and everything it was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's really good at that too. Um, that's pretty much it though. There, there was a ton more. Those are kind of the major ones that stood out to me that I wanted to bring up very quickly. But from the second one, there's a ton of speculation now on who the man in the iron mask is. Yes, there is. Uh, there was, if you haven't seen the episode, we won't go into a spoiler on it, but there is uh, at one point where Barry has been trapped by zoom mm-hmm. and um, among his other prisoners, there's one person in an iron mask who is only communicating through like, basically through like a version of, um, of Morse code in essence. Right. Uh, I was seeing now among all the things I had heard on the internet and it will never happen this way, but, wouldn't it be cool if it was Ezra Miller Flash? <laughs> that would be interesting. It'll never happen, but I no. was thinking, oh, that'd be great if it's actually because they've they've already said that with people being upset about Ezra Miller cast as the the DC cinematic mm-hmm. universe, that uh, well, it's just a different dimension and right. a different alternate universe. That'd be great. If that's well, we have all sorts of mysteries now too, because not only do we have the Man in the Iron Mask, we have Zoom. It, right? Who's Zoom? Like who's who Zoom? Still? Is Jay Garrick Jay Garrick? That's right. a question. So it's. That show is just it's it's firing on all cylinders. It really is. When you have that many, and you feel like each episode stuff is resolved, mm-hmm. but yet there's so much unresolved in the overarching storyline that it's just it, it's they're really. I think of all the shows, that one is the one that's. I used to like Arrow better, mm-hmm. but Flash is the one that just feels like there's so much going on. And it's so well written. It it really is. Yeah. It really is. Uh, my favorite theory for the guy in the mask is that it is uh, Henry Henry Allen from Earth One. Oh, okay. So Zoom actually grabbed him and brought him over, and Barry's going to figure that out, but they closed the portal. Right. Or were in the process of closing the portal as he grabbed Jay. Right. So I'm thinking that Barry's going to greatly regret the, oh, we'll come back for you. Like, if he knew that was his dad, like his dad. He wouldn't have left. He would not have left under any circumstance. So there's going to be some repercussion of that, I think. Right. Which is interesting. It's just there's so much because they've taken enough of a, a route away from the original source material mm-hmm. um, with who Zoom is, because obviously Zoom was originally uh, Eobar Thrawn. Um, they they've taken enough of a, a shift away where you don't know who it is. Right. So it's not spoiled by being familiar with with the comic. Book, yeah. No. Which it's is all awesome. over. And that's not a bad thing. That's not. Well, they didn't keep true to the comics. No, this is like, I'm a comic book fan. I'm seeing things on the screen that mm-hmm. I never thought I'd see. And yet you're keeping it interesting and keeping me guessing. Yeah. That's awesome. It's an Elseworld. And I think yes. they're going about yeah. it the smart. It feels a lot like Smallville 
and that it is an Elseworld. They're taking a lot of the characters and they're making adjustments to them, and that's fine. But since they've introduced the multiverse, yeah. this could just be like this Earth One. We're calling it Earth One. Doesn't have to be Earth One. No, in the our Earth One is out there somewhere. We could say right, which is kind of cool to think about. Like our version of the comics is in a, in a Earth within. The Berlanti verse, we're just not seeing it. Right. We're seeing other versions of those characters. Yep. But oh, there's so many good things. I could go it's on awesome. forever about it. It's the great, Flash. but it, you're absolutely right. It's it's so worth the praise. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and X Geek Out is another podcast that I started listening to. See, I'm not the only one. <laughs> or Paul was saying that bringing up other podcasts on a podcast is a faux pas. But no, not at all. No. We support each other. Uh, there's a podcast I just started listening to, and it's fairly new, called Anna Ferris is Unqualified. For people that are familiar with the actress Anna Ferris, uh, this is her new podcast and she has different celebrity guests on. It starts off as kind of the normal interviewish format. She has a very different approach to it. Like she kind of throws speed questions at them. They just chat a little bit. There's not much of like an interview interview, which is good because I'm getting personally kind of burnt out on just podcasters interviewing other podcasters and yeah. celebrity interviews. And I'm like, how much like you hear the same people on different podcasts all the time. They make the loop just like they would do talk shows. Right. And all the L.A. podcasts are very incestuous. They just kind of yeah. interview each other, uh, which is why we're proud to be on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things that she does is she has an actual hook to the show. Like if you want people to listen to your show, you need to do something different from everybody else. So the reason it's called Anna Ferris is Unqualified is because her and her guest, I guess they set these up beforehand, will call people who have written into the show. And they help them with whatever kind of problem they're having, which is usually a relationship problem. Mm -hmm. So it is like kind of a advice talk advice show. But that's why it's also called Anna Ferris is unqualified. She's like, I'm totally unqualified to do this. <laughs> but here's our advice anyway. That's cool. Yeah, it's very they've had some great guests. Michael Rappaport was phenomenal. Oh, he's shot on the show. The cannon, yeah. He took charge of the whole thing. Like when someone called up, she barely got any words in. He's just like, do this, do this. He's answering the, the, oh my God, it was so good. And she's, so good. she's got that real cute, quirky personality. She does. Me, so she's, I'm sure she's very entertaining. Yeah. She's very like naturally comedically gifted. And there's, there's other little things that happen too that you're like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Like she's married to Chris Pratt. Oh yeah. So he's I, popped up on the show okay. here and there. He'll be like listening in the background. Then I'll just be like, wait, I have to chime in. <laughs> like <laughs> he has That's no cool. intent to chime in, but he does because they just record in their house. Right. Uh, but he also called in from set before with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, nice. So there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on, but really, really good show. Uh, highly recommend people listen to that podcast. My last geek out is something I've touched on before. Everybody knows how much I love the Gilmore girls, which is the most masculine thing I love. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, but Gilmore Girls has now officially been set for its return on Netflix before it was just rumored. We knew it was kind of moving forward. They were talking about it. It is 100% confirmed to be happening now. And they've also confirmed that it will include four 90 minute episodes. So instead of doing regular hour format shows, they're going to be doing four like mini movies, nice. basically, which is, uh, Different approach, but I'm excited for it. I, I somebody I forget who it was in my in my Twitter. They said that Netflix really missed out with them calling the Full House reboot Fuller House. Mm -hmm. They should have called this the Gilmost Girls. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I like it. Uh, those are all my geekouts. Let's get into freakouts. Oh, freakout! What do you got? Well, I alluded to this earlier when I was talking about the EA game. Uh, Rovio, who uh, are well-known for their Angry Birds franchise. Yes. Um, I'm giving them a big screw you, Rovio, because um, I've been playing Angry Birds. I got 
um, a newer phone in the last year. And, uh, I got, uh, Angry Birds 2 at the point. And then I, this is over. Yes, I'm freaking out over Angry Birds 2. But I play it, you know, you know, when there's downtime or there's something boring, you're waiting in line somewhere. Sure, sure. You play, you know, you waste five minutes, 10 minutes here and there. And that's one of those games you can literally pop in, play a level and then drop it. Look, nobody's um, judging you. I was just right. geeking out over the yeah. Gilmore Girls. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> but the other day, and I've been playing, I mean, I'm at like level 360. Yeah. So I've put some time into it. Clearly. And, uh, it, it then said, oh, um, install updates for new for new levels all right cool and they've been like when they would do updates some of the levels would have different physics to them so it was mm-hmm. kind of cool like they're they'd have some ice so you could like sh- instead of shooting up and over you'd shoot low and your bird would skim across the ice and hmm. so anyway i go to do that and it then says uh new up uh new upgrade is incompatible with your phone oh no and so i completely uninstalled and then tried to install again just from no, they, for whatever, and this is not an old phone. This is like within the last year I purchased this phone. It's mm-hmm. fairly, you know, it's, it's not like a year and a half, two year old model and it's not compatible. I don't know what they've done to make it incompatible, but that's ridiculous to, to, to just, I'm sure there's more than one person who was alienated by that. Oh, and, absolutely. And I was just, you know what? And I just went and, un, and I had like a couple other angry birds things that, you know, gone out of there. You're done. I'm not, I'm done with you because. That's just not cool. You have the ability to make it work on all these phones. There's not some crazy new processor in another phone. It's not like I'm trying to play this on a flip phone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. And working. it's Angry Birds. Exactly. That's what. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, when you look at the difference between an Angry Birds game and then like the Star Wars hero game, the intricacy, the graphics. Mm-hmm. If something shouldn't be working on my phone, it's the Star Wars. Game. Sure, so, sure. So that was annoying. Um, I'm a big sports fan. I'm not really a fan of of basketball. I'm a big football fan, but a couple weeks ago, the NBA All-Star Game happened. Mm-hmm. The final score between the West and the East was 196 to 173. Pretty high. I caught a little bit of it when I was out. And in essence, what it looked like is somebody would shoot a basket. They'd, they'd set up a cool dunk. And then the guys on defense would kind of walk back, drag their feet back. not And as the offense would then run down to the other side of the, the court and do some kind of cool like trick pass to mm-hmm. another dunk. So now you have guys who are... Oh, he was the MVP of the All-Star game scoring 48 points or whatever. The 48 points they've scored doesn't equal like when Magic Johnson would score 25 in the 80s in an All-Star game. Yeah. Steve Ashburner, who's, who writes for NBA.com, so he's paid by NBA, writes, I get it that the weekend's about fun for the participants and for fans gawking at an assemblage of bubblegum bubble cards come to life. But what we saw Sunday was not entertaining, not nearly enough anyway, or even a good advertisement for the NBA. This league is, yes, about entertainment and basketball, but it's also about competition. And competition means two sides, offense and defense, putting forth effort. Athletic prowess needs resistance to fully show itself. I get it that in the hierarchy of defensive intensity, we won't get and don't need hard fouls and charges taken. But moving one's feet, contesting shots occasionally, double teaming and being a little more bull than Matador would benefit everyone. And he goes through to say, you know, there are some all-stars who have defense in their portfolios and they didn't, they are like great defensive players, didn't get to show it in the game. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I, um, I perversely was rooting for the West to crack 200 points, hoping it would be embarrassing enough, so little in common with real basketball, that the league would feel compelled to do something. Please let 196 be close enough. I mean, this is one of their paid writers. Mm-hmm. They, it's it's such a farce that like these guys make the money they do. You get an all star game that people are paying hundreds of dollars for tickets. Sure. To watch people just basically just play trick basketball. Fart around. They're probably yeah. so afraid of getting hurt or anything. But and that's what he's saying. You don't need to you know have hard fouls or whatever. But I mean, when you see that's just why I mean that's just one of those when you hear all the things that ruin sports. 
that's one of those things that really, it's an all-star game. The Major League Baseball, the all-star game, people play seriously because the winning team gets home, you know, home field advantage through, sure. through the World Series. Sure. It means something. And just, you got these, you know, multi-millionaires who just, you know, it's, it's the all-star game. You're there because you're the best in the game. You would have never seen a game like that with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael right, Jordan, right. you know, and they talked about it being Kobe Bryant's last game. You, you really think these guys look at a game like that and are proud to plan it? Sure, you're an all-star, but, you know, 10 years ago when Kobe Bryant was in an all-star game, they were playing. It was a hard game. Right, you wanted to right. win because there was some pride to it. And that's just, it's just Not ridiculous. anymore. It's, I propose they just replace the all-star game with MTV's rock and jock basketball. Oh, that was so good. Those games so were fun. so much the fun. The softball, the, the baseball, they were either. And then they, they had the like the 10 point shot. Yes. Oh, it was, I loved was, those. And then you get the sports stars and they put like music celebrities in and actors. So much it was fun. A lot of fun. So Way much better. Fun. Uh, all right. My freak out. Mighty number nine. We've talked about it before has been delayed again. If anybody backs anything on crowdfunding sites, uh, you've kind of figured out at this point that most things, their projected release date, your actual release date is going to be at least a year after that. That seems to be the pattern. So most people will allow themselves like a year to complete whatever project at least. And then you're lucky if you're going to get it within two to three years. Uh, but Mighty Number no. 9, this is the third delay that we've had on it so far. It, we were supposed to get it this month. It is now expected in spring 2016. Its original schedule was uh, for an April 2015 release. So it's been pushed back over and over and over again. And um just kind of wanting to play the game. Finally, that would be nice. But still waiting on it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> just want the game I paid right. for. That's all. This is the problem with crowdfunding, though, is because... If I just saw the game come out and I bought it, no problem. Right. But because I paid for it already and I paid more than the game would probably cost. Right. I would like it, please. Yeah. <laughs> I showed faith in you now. Yeah. Now come get through. Get it to the time. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I know it's it's there's reasons games get delayed all the time. Uh, I've heard that Street Fighter Five has a lot of issues. And people think that they rushed it out and they probably did because it was the end of the uh, Japanese fiscal year. Right. So they needed to get it out now for it to count on uh, the books for this year for them. But you can't rush things out. People are going to get pissed. Yeah. You got to make sure you have a finished product. So I, I have no problem with games getting delayed. It's the repetitive delay. And they, they always do it like the month that's supposed to come out. Oh, like, absolutely. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah. No, I was getting excited. So by the time it actually comes out, I'll be like, oh, good. It's here. Because <laughs> I've just been beating up so much. I have four other games that are ahead of it now in my queue. Exactly, exactly. Hey, Amazon users. If you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com and click on the Amazon button, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. Hi, this is blank. <laughs> You're listening to the Geek Generation. Right? Yeah. You read it perfectly. All right, good. <laughs> or is that supposed to be my name in there? Yeah. Hi, this is blank Brent Spiner. No. Hello. Hi, this is Brent Spiner. You're listening to the Geek Generation. 
those are the end of our freakouts. Let's get into some reviews. You have a TV show that you've been watching recently. Oh, it's been so good. Uh, a year ago or so, there started being rumble, or maybe a year and a half ago, there were rumblings that there might be another season of special X-Files episodes. Mm-hmm. And as time went on, it was definitely proven true. Chris Carter was on board, Gillian Anderson, David Duchovny. On top of that, basically the entire original cast has all gotten involved in one sh- way, shape, or form uh, for the six-episode miniseries of The X-Files, which ends tomorrow. It's the last episode of The Six. They've managed to make a really good mix of what made The X-Files so awesome. They've had three of the six episodes are sort of a mini-arc story. Mm-hmm. They've had a couple of those quirky sort of weird episodes. They had one that was really like a comedy episode that okay. they were always good with. It. And it was about like a, a dude who was, a, it seemed like he was a were lizard. So he was kind of like a <laughs> werewolf, but he was half a lizard. Interesting. And it was, it was a really, it ended up, they put the show together really well, the story together really well. Um, and it was sort of like you'd have a perception from one guy's eyes of what happened. And then you get the actual story. And you'd Interesting. Realize, you'd realize, oh, wait, no, it wasn't that this lizard attacked this dude. It was actually some other guy attacked him. The lizard saw it. They see the lizard run away. Mm-hmm. No, it's because he saw this guy biting this other guy and freaked out and ran away. You know, he, why is the lizard like naked? At one point, he like soils his pants. So he like, oh, my like, God, it was ridiculous. And it was really good. They would do those episodes like once a season. You'd get a good comedy episode yeah, in one yeah. way where it was almost like cops. Um, this one was was their comedy episode. They've been great. They did uh, – the last episode, Mulder had um, what he thought was a trip on mushrooms mm-hmm. uh, trying to connect with the uh, a nearly brain-dead patient. And through his elaborate LSD-style hallucination, we saw the cigarette smoking man. We saw all of the lone gunmen who they did kill off. They, they gave their lives – um, heroically in one of the last episodes in the last season, mm-hmm. they all turned up briefly in it as well. Interesting. So it was cool because you read that the lone gun. It was a way to back. bring them back without but it was bringing just, it them was, back. And it was quick, but it was just enough. Of, it was like an Easter egg. Oh, there they are. Cool. And um, it looks like in the final episode, there will be a pretty significant scene with the cigarette smoking man, William B. Davis, who's one of my favorite characters from, from the show. Mm-hmm. So it's been, if you're a fan of the X-Files and you haven't watched it, that's surprising because if you're a fan of the X-Files, just knowing it's there, you were going to watch it. Uh, it's just so good. It feels like the old X-Files. It doesn't feel like a reboot. It just feels like the gang's back together and they're just putting it back on. And mm-hmm. The writing has been awesome. So I couldn't have been happier. And I was I was one of those tried and true X-File fans. It was before you really had a good DVR system. It was sure. you were recording stuff on your VHS. and. I never missed an episode and just and the the positive thing is I guess the the reactions have been so good. I think the first episode had some crazy response. I think I forget what the it numbers were. It was huge were. ratings. It was huge. Yeah, huge. And they've maintained strong. Mm-hmm. So everybody involved has already said none of them are opposed if the numbers can work and they can make it work out and schedules will agree there may be another season in the near future they're not going to commit to it now but sure. i'm sure they're going to do it so that i could i can deal with getting six episodes every couple of years if it means it'll you know the show we thought was done don't you, know, you don't know what you got till it's gone i know sure. what I, I miss when it left so if you bring me a few episodes every year a mini series or mm-hmm. whatever a movie now and again I'm good with that. Just keep them, keep them coming because they're great characters and it's a great universe. Yeah, I'll get around to them eventually. I am, I have been rewatching, uh, the original series. So good. Um, but I've been doing it on pace with Camille Nanjiani's The X Files Files podcast. Oh, so you're getting his commentaries on things. That, right. Nice. So, so I've wanted to that, like, I'm, I, I like The X Files. I don't love The X Files, 
but having the podcast going along with it enhances yeah, the show. Absolutely. I think a lot. So, I mean, you don't watch it while you're watching the episode. You listen to the podcast after you watch it. But I like hearing the, uh, the discussion. It makes me more involved in the show, but he stopped doing it mm. for a while now. Uh, he's kind of like stopped podcasting altogether because he's just so busy with other things. And I, I feel like kind of bailed on. <laughs> like I was, I was getting into it and I was invested with them and he released a few things like he hosted the premiere of the the new episode the first new episode right uh he hosted that premiere and he interviewed like chris carter and uh one of the writers and he put those out as podcasts and he had recorded while he was on set doing his cameo he had recorded something with david duchovny and julian anderson and he released that as well but he's not really doing any new episode commentary so i'm like stuck around season like three or four right now waiting for him to come back so I can continue watching the show. And his episode, I thought it was him. His episode is definitely where Mulder, the name of the episode is Mulder, Mulder and Scully meet the were monster. Oh, it is he, that one. And and he actually has, he's, he's a pretty important role. It's, it's not just a cameo. He Interesting. Actually, his character is in there for a bit and plays a pretty good role with the were lizard. So that's cool. And it's, it's, it is the quirky comedy episode of the season. So that's, I cool. figured it might be. Yeah. It worked out well. They actually let him, he had tweeted a picture and put it on Instagram and stuff. They let him keep the actual x file oh, that they cool. used in the episode so he gets to keep the actual file which that's is very awesome. cool for an x files fan that's got to be yeah, yeah. ridiculous I, I have like a reprint of the, the pilot the script i have the first the pilot script that's just a printing of it but even for me being an old fan of it that's like yeah you know that's i, I bought that at the x files convention the one year they did that sure, so sure. it was just, just to have something like that is awesome and to have the actual x file from the episode that's like that's awesome i look forward to getting yeah. to it when uh, uh, so i good. actually can uh, I am reviewing a video game this week, and it is a game called Klaus. The premise of Klaus is that Klaus follows an office worker who wakes up in a basement with no idea who or where he is. With his only clue being the word Klaus written on his arm, he's forced to escape the mechanical and constructivist world in which he finds himself a prisoner. Uh, very cool indie game. I played it on PS4. Uh, it is very tailor made for PS4. I don't think it's available for any other system because the control scheme is so specific for it. Uh, it is interesting when you're playing it's a platformer. So you're using this one dude, Klaus. You're in a minimalist world. So there's kind of like one color tone throughout the floor. And it is an office building for the most part, which seems like it would be boring. But I mean, it's got the video game elements there. There's yeah. the platforms. Most of the office stuff is kind of in the background. Like you see, filing cabinets and stuff kind of all back there. Uh, but you move through the levels. You're controlling him the way you would control any normal character. But then you're also using the touchpad, which is one of the things that makes this kind of specific to PS4. Uh, as you move platforms back and forth or open and close doors, you're doing that as almost like a god entity. So you're controlling this little like floating thing that would open the doors and move the platforms. And he comments on it and then he starts talking to you. Oh, wow. So it's very fourth wall breaking in the kind of Deadpool popularity oh, way. Yeah. Uh, so he starts addressing you as player. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. And he's like, wait, and he starts asking like existential questions. Like if I just stand still, I'm what like what what choice do I have? You're the one moving me around. And he starts talking to you in that way and stuff. He even gets to fine at one point. And he's like, I don't, I don't like this arrangement anymore. I'm sick of this. And he starts doing the opposite of whatever you input. <laughs> That's clever. It's like very that. interesting. That's so cool. there's a lot of cool little things like that where it really brings you into the game in that sense. There's also another character called K1. That's this kind of like behemoth of a guy. 
Uh, and this is where things really get kind of wonky with the control scheme because you're controlling Klaus, K1, and that kind of god entity thing oh, man. all at the same time. Jeez. Oh, so oftentimes, like, you'll, there's one, uh, shoulder button that will have them both act as kind of uniformly. So you can hold down that while you also hold down a button to sprint to make them run while you reach for the touchpad and open <laughs> the door. So your figures oh, are all over the place and it's kind of crazy. And it would be easy to control them both together, except for the fact that they both have different jumping systems. So Klaus has a double jump and K1 has a glide. So if you're holding down a button for too long, K1 will start gliding, whereas Klaus will just fall. Oh, no. So it's it gets kind of weird like that. So there are a lot of puzzles. It's very puzzle based, right? which is uh, nice. There's not a whole lot of action. Like You're not fighting people. It is uh, heavily puzzle based, but it's, good, it's very good puzzle. The level design is fantastic, but there are, are definitely parts where you have to go through a puzzle with each character individually and get through using their specific skill sets okay. in order to do whatever. You can also kind of tag between a level. So as Klaus goes over in this direction, you can get through a certain area, which then opens a door and then you tag back to K1 so he can advance so far and then he can't do anything more. So you go back to Klaus and back and forth and back right, and forth. Yeah. Very cool. The text in the game, the story, it's all about the mystery of kind of who Klaus is, what's going on here. Because like I said in the beginning, the premise is you wake up, you have the word Klaus tattooed on your arm. That's all you know. Right. You ha- and your memory slowly gets pieced together throughout the game. You find these little portals that bring you into different puzzles. And those are actually really fun. Those don't go with necessarily the traditional gameplay. They introduce other game elements sometimes just for that one puzzle. But they're all very cool. They're a nice break from the norm of the game. And as you reveal certain ones, you kind of unlock the story and your memories start to come back and you kind of learn what happened. The only downside about that is that they're hidden portals. So you could play through the game and not get all the backstory, Uh, which is kind of a bummer because you would be missing out when it comes time for the end. Right. Uh, There's some glitch artifacts I noticed throughout the game, some like vertical lines popping up that I don't think were a part of the visual. So there's a little glitch there. Uh, the dexterity required to play might be <laughs> different, uh, difficult for the casual gamers that might alienate them. Like I said, the story elements being tucked away in secret areas isn't the best thing. But overall, uh, a really good experience, even just from a gameplay point of view, like solving the puzzles and stuff was all great. There's one particular level in the game where everything is kind of so visually beautiful to look at. There's one particular level in the game that is called Glitch World, and it looks like you're almost inside a computer and there's code here and the vertical hold breaks. And I while it's all cool in theory and it's cool to look at for like quickly, it really screws your eyes up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) After too much. So I I legit had to like put it down and walk away for a while and then come back because my eyes would just get tired. I'd get a headache. So, uh, it's, it kind of sucks that a game so visually soothing to look at through most of it has this one kind of eyesore of a level that just kind of like breaks your experience a little bit. It's not enough to make the game not worth playing though. Right. Uh, that's for sure. Now, is that a game that you can, if you have a PS4, you can download? Is that how it's Yes. That, yes. It's a downloadable indie title. I think it's like 10 or $15. Yeah. So it's not a, not a big investment or no, anything. No, no. Cool. And it's, it's, Eight to ten hours of gameplay, I oh, would yeah. say. So you definitely get your money's worth. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. That um, sounds very, very creative. The last thing about it is that the I, as a designer, a graphic designer, I really like the way that they integrated the uh, dialogue into the game. So there's no voiceover uh, where you'd normally get that in a video game, or you would get like speech bubbles as you go through. 
In this, it's kind of integrated into the level itself. So as you go through a certain area, you'll see text kind of like appear on the floor below you. Oh, that's and cool. that's the talking. And there's different font types for Klaus and K1. And K1 always talks in all uppercase because he's just kind of like a big dumb. <laughs> so he's like, K1 fly. Like he's kind of Hulk in that right. way. Um, so you can tell them apart very easily. But because it's the PS4 as well, you also get an audio cue that comes through your controller when text is popping up to kind of remind you to look at it. Mm -hmm. The only downside of that is while most of it was done very well and seamlessly blended into the level as you move throughout, and it was all very cool to kind of have that new system of doing it, once in a while there would be so much going on that I would miss a line of dialogue, and I was a little bummed that I just missed out on stuff here and there. But ultimately, uh, like I said, highly recommend the game. A lot of fun to play through. Well worth the money. Check it out. Klaus. We ate some Oreos. Yes, we did. Before starting this podcast today. We saved you from the sound. We did. Uh, we tried two <clears throat> different kinds this week. Uh, we'd been sitting on one for a while, and the other one is fairly new, so you can probably actually get both in the store. There's some interesting things about both of these. Mm-hmm. One, uh, the cinnamon bun or cinnamon rolls one that we had first is a bigger package. It's a normal oreo size package, and it doesn't say limited edition on it, mm. which is interesting. I don't know if they're making this a normal kind. That we're just going to see around because the limited edition ones all say so. And they're all in a slightly smaller package because they're limited and also special. And they make so much money off of them, I assume. That's why they're smaller. Uh, but I I really enjoyed the cinnamon bun one. I didn't notice it to be that different from just a cinnamon cookie with... It says cinnamon bun frosting. But it just tastes like the regular frosting to me. I didn't separate it and no, try it on its own. I did The first one I ate, I had two of them. The first one I ate, I ate whole, okay, chewed up, and and it was like, oh, that's what I took the second one apart. Oh, okay. It is the vanilla cookie. It is. It's the frosting that makes the flavor interesting. Well, yeah. it says it says cinnamon cookie on it too. It wasn't that the cinnamon Not that, the, that real flavor that you were getting the cinnamon from was the frosting. Interesting. And I I know you guys have done a bunch of them, and I've been here for a few, you know a handful of mm-hmm. the flavors. That by far the cinnamon one is my favorite of all the alternate flavors I've tried. Really? Yeah, wow. I thought that was really. It, it really was. It was a cinnamon bun. It tasted good, and it wasn't an overly artificial flavor. It True. tasted like just cinnamon and sugar. Well, and, cinnamon's such an easy. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> and I'm a big fan of cinnamon. Sure. Cinnamon, but that was. I was really surprised. I thought that was. You could go the wrong way with. You could make it too sweet, but True. it wasn't the, the frosting. It was. It had enough of the cinnamon savory, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that that creamy kind of all right it's way too sweet right it didn't have that all right we're gonna have sugar buzz for an hour like we did when we had whatever the last flavors we had when we were here with paul oh my we god were, yeah we were all bouncing off the walls yeah all the sugar my other fear was that they were gonna have some sort of a cream cheese type frosting oh, like yeah, the red yeah. velvet ones because right. some cinnamon buns you buy have like a cream cheese type icing right. frosting and i'm not a fan of those no. but fortunately it doesn't have that so i did enjoy these a lot yeah today. they were really good yeah uh, the other kind we tried were the filled cupcake, which is two chocolate cookies. Uh, the frosting in the middle, this is a departure from anything we've kind of seen up to this point. There's like a chocolatey outer ring of frosting. And then inside is like a softer, like probably the softest filling that I've it seen in Oreo soft, yeah. so far, like an icing almost, uh, which would be kind of the center of a cupcake. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't necessarily get filled cupcake taste right. out of this because cupcakes are more about the texture than the taste right so i thought this was a weird direction to go in but i did kind of like the overall combo we had said uh we had the fear that this would taste like the brownie 
batter mm-hmm. filling burned, burned chocolate <laughs> and it did no, it, it didn't did not, this was uh, a nice chocolate filling and it's really trying to these are trying from the pictures it's really trying to emulate that hostess cupcake mm-hmm. and um yeah i did I, I because the oreo is already the cookie is already chocolate and you have a lot of that chocolate frosting it didn't really have that cupcake experience but it was definitely different to have it twist it and then here lick this frosting first and it was it was a neat cookie it wasn't bad yeah but it just wasn't it didn't scream cupcake to me yeah the package actually says to twist and lick yeah this is the first limited edition one i've said i've seen that gives you directions <laughs> on how to eat it where they're actually telling you to take one of the cookies off and lick it which was the best way to enjoy it right i did I one like that and then yep. the second one because i thought the second one i just popped in same the second one it's better when you when you when you actually pop it up yeah and then when you just throw it down in one shot you don't get that that uh filling experience no you don't notice that softer right. it's, filling it's in the overwhelmed middle. by the chocolate totally totally but i recommend both of them these are both wins in yeah. my book um, i dug the cinnamon i was surprised yeah. that was cool putting it up there with the toasted coconut <laughs> i didn't see i was near for toasted yeah. coconut. Oh, so and i love i love toasted coconut too. that was the I'm best sure in my awesome. opinion all right, we have one more thing to do this week. Uh, we have both seen Deadpool multiple, multiple times. times. Oh, yes. Multiple times. So we are going to hop into the spoiler room to talk about Deadpool. If you have not seen the movie, I suggest that you stop listening now and come back to this later uh, because we are going to get into spoilers. So let's hop into the spoiler room. Access, Access granted. Welcome. Okay, so first things first. With over $150 million domestically, Deadpool is the biggest R-rated opener ever. Yep. Surpassing The Matrix Reloaded at $91.7 million, Almost doubling what The Matrix Reloaded yep. made in its opening weekend. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, Deadpool is, he's, for comic book fans, mm-hmm. he was a very popular character. But I don't feel like Deadpool was... That widely known a character, I think he he was still like he's not like one of the top tier. Uh, obviously, now he is, right? But I mean, he's not Superman, Batman, Spider Man, the Hulk. One of those anybody looks at a picture of him, and even if they're not a comic book fan, they know who he is. They're gonna know who's who's the superhero, in the right? Night. Right. He's not that widely known, but if you're a regular con goer, oh, you're yeah. familiar oh, with yeah. Deadpool because yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> everybody's dressed up as him. Yeah, and it's only going to go up now. Oh, you know, now he is in that, but that's the thing. Now he is universe. He is going to be one of those household name type characters. Totally. Uh, there's some interesting fears going around right now. I have some similar ones. Uh, there's also some interesting rumors going on. Uh, one of which is that the upcoming Wolverine movie, the last one supposedly that Hugh Jackman will be in, is now going to be rated R as right. a result of the success of Deadpool. Uh, a lot of people didn't think that Wolverine would ever go the R-rated route, even though there were rumors that the the Wolverine, like the second one, mm-hmm. was going to be R, and they toned it down to a PG-13 to appeal to a larger crowd. Uh, in the good sense, it looks like Deadpool has taken that fear away from Hollywood that an R-rated movie can't be successful. The thing I'm afraid of is that they're going to think that R-rated movies are going to be more successful, so they're going to push things that shouldn't be R-rated to be R-rated and be like, well, let's use the Deadpool model and let's have more fourth wall breaking. And they're going to I fear that there's going to be a lot of movies that take the wrong messages from Deadpool's success, because that was dead. I mean, people jokingly say besides his healing abilities and his near invulnerability, Mm -hmm. um, basically, it's a superpower that he breaks the fourth wall that he knows he's he's self-aware that, you know, that 
people are reading me in a comic book or people yeah, are seeing yeah. me in a movie. I think that it lends itself well to this character. And I think R-Rate, honestly, especially with them talking about doing the old man Logan, I think it does. An R-Rating would really lend itself to that particular movie, I that agree. character. I agree. Because, I mean, Wolverine is a violent guy and he's a gruff guy and he has no problem with the language. Yeah. But, how weird but, is it to see action kind of censored from a guy that has three blades on each hand? Right. But uh, that doesn't mean you're going to make the X-Men movies continuing that franchise any better by making them. They're perfect right. where they are. They're right fine. Now. Yeah. No, they're not perfect movies, but they're great where they are with that PG Absolutely. rating. Absolutely. They don't but, need to be R rated. But I think, I think it's, it is a, it's a good message to Hollywood that there are adults who are going to pay money to see these characters portrayed authentically. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to do it with all of them, but you do have characters that certainly can be portrayed accurately like they are in the comic books that, doesn't lend itself to a PG or PG-13 rating. Right, right. It's like Jessica Jones would have never been – that would have been an R rating in a movie thing. Right, right. It. It's TVMA. And that's – it's just showing that you can do adult-aimed humor, action, and it still be a comic book and have it be – Totally, totally. And if, successful. You know? If Deadpool was something less than an R rating, you can see right away how it would have suffered and how people yeah. would have come out disappointed. Absolutely. So – uh, very cool to see the success it's having, especially given the support that Ryan Reynolds has been showing for it from the beginning. This movie's been attempted to come out for such a long time. Uh, so very happy to see it popular. Tons of Easter eggs in the movie. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about just my favorite ones because there were so many to go through. Ryan Reynolds had said somewhere that there are over a hundred Easter eggs that they threw within here. There's probably even more than that. Uh, but a few of my favorites for one, uh, there's a coffee cup at the beginning that says Rob L on it. And I know it's for Rob Liefeld when the creators of Deadpool, I'm just going to pretend it was a Rob. That's Logan. a Rob Logan coffee <laughs> cup. Uh, so I know that's an Easter egg for Rob Liefeld, but I'm claiming it for my own. <laughs> the other Easter eggs that I really enjoyed, there were several references to X-Men origins Wolverine. Yep. Which we saw the worst version of Deadpool that we've ever seen anywhere in. And if people haven't heard this, I actually put a clip up on YouTube the other day. Uh, it's an, a bonus episode that we did. This is back from 2011. Uh, it was a bonus episode that we did between 49 and 50. You can find it there. It's an interview with the producer of X-Men Origins Wolverine, Jeff Katz. We talked to him about how Deadpool got screwed up in the movie, what actually happened, how they're screwing up of the source material in the movies led to him not only quitting that movie, but leaving Hollywood as a result. It was a huge blow to yeah. his career. He watched it crash and burn. It's not up on iTunes anymore because we can only store so many on iTunes at a time. But if you go back, go to geekgeneration.com, type in Jeff Katz or type in Deadpool, you can find that old episode. Uh, really, really one of the best interviews we've ever done on the show. Tons of great insight. But getting back to the movie itself, uh, the references to X-Men Origins Wolverine, there's the Deadpool action figure. That was all. Which is my, on top of the Wham album. Just it's my prized possession. You think it's that from that movie. Yeah. It's, no, the X-Men Origin. And then it's Wham. This is the album where they became <laughs> Wham. Tosses that aside right away. Awesome. Ajax saying he's going to sew Wade's mouth shut. And he's right. like, that, you don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> it's a it, bad idea. Let, let's take a character who's known as the Merc with the mouth and sew his lip shut. Exactly. Exactly. 
when Colossus says he's taking Deadpool to see the professor, he asks McAvoy or Stewart. I lost it. I lost it when he asked that. He's like, I can't keep track of these universes. <laughs> and I, I loved when he said, oh, what, we only could afford two X-Men? This, we only could afford That's two X-Men? That's the other one I was getting oh, to. Man, yeah. that, that was a huge When laugh. Deadpool calls out the studio for only being able to afford two X-Men to populate the entire <laughs> mansion. So fantastic. That was great. Yeah. Those were the major Easter eggs I liked. Were there any in particular that stand out, stood out um, to you? I mean, the movie in itself was just Easter egg after Easter egg. Yeah. I can't, like, just pick one out. I yeah. mean, it was just so good, so funny with just how off the cuff everything was, you know? But you, you picked some of the really big ones. Yeah, right? yeah. One of my favorite kind of resulting internet memes from it is people uh, taking pictures of Ajax soap and, like, putting duct tape over it and writing Francis on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, I did have as much as I love the movie, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the movie. There were a couple issues that I had with it. The main one is Deadpool's kind of rewritten origin and just how it it doesn't a hundred percent work mm-hmm. with what they were doing. So in the comics, Wade was a part of the Weapon X program, and because of his cancer, they implanted him with Wolverine's healing factor, which they knew would cure it. So and it's not like they can't they reference Wolverine enough right. that they could have worked that in some way. Uh, in the movies, they had no idea whether or not Wade actually had a latent mutant ability. Right. They were trying to bring it out in a weird way with some serum and putting him in stressful situations. There was no way for them to know that the mutant power that would activate would be cell regeneration. So he could have emerged with optic blasts. He could have emerged right, with killed him. Te- telepathy. And then he could have been dead in a matter of months right. from his cancer. So it it seemed kind of strange that they were relying on that to make him into a, a powerful mutant when they had no idea what the outcome would be. I, I felt like both times I saw it that that whole piece of the origin story. I think that was the one slow part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like both times I saw that 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 was the one part that I, I agree. Felt didn't move. There was so he had some great lines. He had you know some interplay with him and Francis. Some of the things he said, mm-hmm. but. That just felt like that was the one part where the the pace of the movie kind of hung back and dragged. Yeah, yeah. That was like my if you could cut that down by ten minutes somehow, mm. it would. I think the movie would flow even better. Now, if they get into another movie, which they're already looking forward to making Absolutely, a Deadpool yeah. sequel, obviously it's very successful. One of the things they could say because it did look like in this quote unquote serum that they mentioned, they showed like that yellow liquid, and there were some red blobs in there. Those red blobs could have been parts of Wolverine's right. blood or cells or anything like that. So they could actually go back and kind of say that was the case, which would make way more sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, there's also the part now. I was very surprised in the movie that Vanessa was not who I expected her to be because Vanessa Carlisle is copycat. Another mutant from the comics. Mm-hmm. We know she's going to be copycat probably eventually. I expected it in this movie. But I was surprised when we never actually saw any mutant abilities from her. I'm wondering if that whole chamber part at the end was going to be some kind of explanation for her developing mutant Uh powers now. Like they threw her, Ajax briefly threw her in that chamber at the end. It was not on very long at all. But had he injected her with the serum prior that we saw off screen, maybe. Right. Maybe that's how her mutant powers become activated. Or she's just been hiding it the whole time from Wade. And I, I'm I'm not super familiar with – I'm not a big Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Marvel cinematic stuff, and I have lesser knowledge on the Marvel universe than the DC stuff. So my familiarity with the Deadpool 
end of things is I know the character, I know sort of sure. his quirks, but I don't. I, so that was that like her eventually being copycat would have been a bit of an Easter egg for me as well. Like I didn't know that. Right okay. That. Yeah. 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 But that, those two things were like really the only kind of issues with that I had with the movie. Mm. Very well done. Uh, props to the coordinators of the action scenes mm-hmm. because there's a lot of movies where you get so much action. It's all happening so fast and you can't necessarily tell what's going on, but they were very good about kind of showing us every kick and punch and shot. And maybe our movies can afford them that more mm-hmm. because they're allowed to show right. the things, but the, that especially even opening sequence, we saw like the rotating and everything frozen. Yeah. Fantastic credits. They basically paced out. You were going to see this crazy high action fight sequence soon, mm-hmm. but take it in now. You don't know this when you first see this, but take it in now. You're going to see aspects of it. And then when you see it all, you put it all together. Yeah. And it's all, yeah. it's even better. Yeah. And it's wonderful. That's so good. Uh, and the, the intro credits where that kind of set up the tone of the movie right away. Like, oh, that some douchebag directing. <laughs> The that hot chick, great, yeah. British voiced alien, uh, villain or whatever, alien. Gratuitous cameo. <laughs> yeah. So you get all that stuff. Uh, I'm wondering if they had to get permission from the union or if they got fined by the union because of that, because there are rules oh, yeah. with movies where you have to legally show their names at the beginning and they do not do that in no. this movie. No. So I'm wondering how that came to be what it was. I don't think it's something we're going to see replicated a lot because. It is uh, like a union rule. Well, but. that was originally why George Lucas left the screen, the the the, um, the directors guild, because he, they didn't support him through that with Star Wars, and he did pay the fines for them because he didn't want credits. He wanted his scroll, right? And I think I think that it's one of those things where either they ahead of time explained what the tone of the movie was mm-hmm. and sort of said this is what we're doing with it, and because it does technically say directed by and it's it's self deprecating humor. That it may have been just allowed. because they're not using their name, they're still referencing people, you know. And it's it's like you know, hey, it's it's a code name for it's a, that's my code name. Sure, or, you know, um, there could have been some sort of loophole, a loophole, or you know, they may have just said, hey, listen, we're we're doing it this way. Um, if you're gonna find us, you know, we'll pay whatever, you know, whatever fine. I don't know. It just seemed like because of the tone of the movie, it was. You see a lot of movies where they'll throw a joke joke credit in mm-hmm. here and there. So maybe maybe that was sort of the loophole they went with. Yeah. It seemed appropriate to be inappropriate. Oh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> highly enjoyed it. Mm. Highly recommend people see it. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably have seen it already. Um, and I look forward to the next one. Uh, nice after credit, two after credit scenes. Yeah. Now, you, the first time you didn't, so they didn't have it. So the second time you did see the after credit. So the, I went to a screening probably two weeks before the movie actually came out. They had the first after credit scene. But it stopped. So he walked out as in the Ferris Bueller nod and did the whole go home. The same thing at the end of Ferris Bueller's day off. Uh, And he left and that was it. And I was like, oh, he's going to come back out. I I said it to Squalls, who was uh, seeing it with me. I was like, oh, he's going to come back out. And he didn't. So then he comes back and then does the tease about cable. Right. Which is in the the actual release. We didn't see it in the early screen. Right. Right. But we saw it now. They didn't release that till the uh, the actual day of release. That wasn't in all the preliminary screening. Right. Part was not there, which was interesting. So it's funny, too. Like, I love the fact that I called it. Yeah. And I was I was right, even though I was wrong. (laughs) I was right that there was supposed to be something there. Right. And there was eventually. But uh, 
I assume they're being truthful when they say we're going to have cable in the next movie. Yeah, yeah. And the internet's kind of exploded with excitement over Kira Knightley playing cable, <laughs> even though it's definitely a joke. Yeah, that was awesome. It's, it's fun to see the photoshops people are creating of that. And I was, I was, I saw it with a bunch of people who are Ferris Bueller age. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like we were all that age to see Ferris Bueller. Sure. So even the end with just the little Scooby Doo head out the door going. Yeah, that was a, just our whole row was just like, ah! I'm wondering how many people caught that of like the newer Deadpool fans, like the younger crowd. Right. Like first, like at first, I didn't realize it was the Ferris Bueller thing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, why does this feel so familiar? It took me a while to realize. But then when I saw it the second time, I knew already. And then the right. at the end, I my was buddy, like, oh my was God. Sitting, and it's just the opening shot, just the doorway. He goes. Are they Ferris Bueller-ing this? I was like, wow. I'm like, and I'd already seen it once. I was like, wow, you're good. I didn't. And sure enough, you know, he comes out in the bathrobe and what are you still doing here? Yeah. Yeah. That was for me with that character. That was such a, such a way to end it. Perfect. I mean, because that was the first movie as somebody in my generation Mm -hmm. where somebody broke the fourth wall. Right. So it's another character that's very Deadpool, even though he's not nearly the same kind of character sure but sure. it was it was definitely ferris bueller wasn't doing the deadpool thing before deadpool was ever written yeah so that was that was really kind of a cool callback to probably something that inspired in the comic books when they're right hey let's let's break the fourth wall with this character let's do something kind of like ferris bueller would have done so, yeah 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 i definitely gave it two thumbs up Me totally too. enjoyable Me too. yeah absolutely any other deadpool thoughts before we wrap up uh i just like that uh deadpool was able to spell francis's name <laughs> that was one of that and and i actually i i thought the the girl playing uh uh negasonic teen warhead was awesome yeah i thought her apathy with you know when hang on a second she's texting okay and then i thought that was really cool i thought that was a, a less especially a lesser known x-men comic i know she's more with deadpool and, uh for me not being super into the the source material mm-hmm. i thought she was a cool character and I, i've always loved colossus yeah and i thought this version of colossus was great it was great yeah it was very very colossus yeah it's very cool even down to throwing up the uh the silver vomit totally <laughs> it was great i was very impressed with the uh the eyes that they created on deadpool because most of the time movies yeah. will not go to the white lenses. Right. But it's, it's so important for his look mm-hmm. to be totally covered up in every single way. And I know there's multiple versions of the costume where one, he actually has the eyes like that, mm-hmm. but then the others, it's totally open and he just has like dots around. And they put it all in with CGI, but it was done so well. Yeah. And he's very expressive and didn't feel at all CGI. None of it felt CGI with him. No, you know, none of the, none of the facial stuff. And I did, I just, the comedy, the, the script was really, really smart. Yeah. Really, just the jokes were never too much either. No, no. Um, so it, it's funny because you could tell the first time I saw it, they, it was on opening night or Friday, the Friday night, and a lot of people were, everybody was carded. Like they were, they were even there, like, have your IDs ready. Yep, and yep. I, I'm like, really? You're going to check. I have gray in my beard. You're going to, oh, we got to check everybody. We got yeah. a lot of kids sneaking out. All right, whatever. You know, I don't care. The second time I saw, I saw it at a matinee on the, the Monday holiday and, um, they weren't checking it nearly as much. And some of the stuff that's going on, you saw like moms who had brought their, their 10 and 11 year old kids. It's an R rated superhero movie. Yes, it's a superhero movie. Don't seem disgusted when the calendar girl scene's happening. Right. It's, you know, there's going to be sex and violence. And yeah, whatever. it's rated R. You know, you got to pay attention. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts or something you would like to plug? Just the usual stuff. Support. The Geek Generation, go on the website. You can find multiple ways to help keep funding things, keep things in existence so Rob can spend more time on the stuff that we like that he does as opposed to the boring mundane day job. (laughs) I could be making more of this instead of going to work. (laughs) 
Uh, for everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. Watch live podcasts and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Feels like the credits are getting longer and longer all the time. <laughs> Go to the plugs, Fred. <laughs> do the stuff. Do the stuff. Uh, we'll be back very soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then later. Make it so.